0: Welcome back for some more Behind the Pouch, supported by BiggerLife.com, where we bring you 30 minutes of honest, unscripted chat with a range of different ostomates from around the world with a story to tell. You're joined today just by myself, Shona. Unfortunately, Louise can't be with us. A warm welcome to you wherever you happen to be listening from. Today, we jump across the Atlantic to welcome another guest to Behind the Pouch, and I'm delighted to introduce you to Dan Shockley. Dan is a retired US Navy veteran who currently resides in Sacramento, California. Dan is an eight year hereditary colon cancer survivor who underwent ostomy surgery for a permanent stoma back in July 2012. His vision is to share his journey on the importance of early colon cancer detection through local and national advocacy efforts and encouraging others to get screened. He is also a strong advocate for raising awareness for hereditary colon cancer and he will tell us a little about the rare genetic condition he has. He is a source of inspiration and encouragement to others with the goal of overcoming adversity. His mantra is always forge ahead with a purpose. And he admits that his positive approach since his diagnosis and subsequent surgery has been key to him not letting his condition and his stoma define him, but continuing to press on with his life with a business as usual approach. Outside of his advocacy work, Dan is a huge Cleveland Indians baseball fan. I'm really looking forward to our chat today, and it's a great pleasure to welcome Dan Shockley to the pod. Dan, you're very welcome.
1: Oh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, be part of this uh, podcast.
0: Not at all, not at all. So I think I'm right in saying, uh, Dan, that you were first diagnosed with your hereditary colon condition in your early 50s and that that was picked up during a routine colonoscopy screening program you attended. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. I, um, it, I was 51 when I had my first and only colonoscopy. And as a result of the findings, there were uh, 100 polyps that were embedded throughout my colon, rectum and anus, and my GI doctor at the VA Medical Center in Hawaii where I resided at the time, he uh, wanted to talk to me and he referred me to a certified genetic counselor at Tripler Army Medical Center there in Hawaii, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which is on the same campus as the VA Medical Center. So I went over and a few days later discussed with my certified genetic counselor and a colorectal surgeon to um determine what the course of action was going to be mm-hmm. and i didn't have any symptoms nor family history so they suspected that i had a gene mutation and in order to determine these um, the mutation we'd have to do a gene sequencing dna test
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it it was going to roughly take three weeks to get the results back. So I had uh, the opportunity to read about the mutation that they thought that I had. Mm -hmm. And then the type of surgery that would be required. Mm -hmm. And then life as an ostomate. So being in the military uh, mindset. I I broke it down into uh, three phases and I wanted to learn about the mutation. So Mm -hmm. in the, um, I embraced this from the onset, mm-hmm. and I just mm-hmm. wanted to learn as much as I could. Absolutely, and I'm um, uh, oh, sorry.
0: No, no, not at all. So, uh, had you heard of um about, uh, of this before? Have had you heard of this colon condition before?
1: No, it was all new to me, and we have um, no family history. I talked to my siblings. My brother is twelve years older than me. And my sister is four years older than me, and. Neither one of them have had any um, knowledge of any um, family members having any, you know, uh, polyps. That must
0: have been a shock.
1: Well, um, it was a surprise. You know, Um, I was, um, like I said, I was very open to all this and I just wanted to learn as much as I could. Mm But, um, you know, it's just a matter of the results. It took six weeks to come back. um, The samples were sent to a molecular oncology lab down in Pasadena, California, and they came back. It was six weeks later, and I was called in to see my certified genetic counselor and my colorectal surgeon, and they let me know that the results came back, and it wasn't the mutation they thought that I had. It was the one more rare. So, um, at that point, my colorectal surgeon said it was in the best practice of medicine to have a total proctocolectomy with an ileostomy, a permanent ileostomy, meaning they would take the the entire colon, rectum, and anus would be removed, and I'd be outfitted with a uh, an ostomy for
0: mm-hmm. the rest
1: of my life. So. Mm-hmm.
0: So were you were you given a choice in that Dan? You know, were, were alternatives discussed?
1: Well, there's no cure for the mutation that I have. Um, so the any of the polyps left unattended have a hundred percent chance of developing into colon cancer. Oh my
0: goodness. And
1: I'd already read that, and I've had I had some several individuals in Hawaii, both at the VA and TRIP were in the medical professionals that were, that I've discussed this with before the results came back, and uh, so I, you know, it was June 29th of 2012 when I went in to see my ca- genetic counselor and colorectal surgeon, and when they gave me the news, and um, I said, let's, let's get the surgery, let's, let's do it, and my doctor looks at me and goes, Daniel, that's what I thought you would say. I've already scheduled your surgery for two weeks from today. So oh, July goodness. 13th was my, my surgery. And uh-huh. um, so I was I was all on board. I'm ready to go, you know, because um,
0: Very good.
1: It, was, it was quite a, quite a learning uh, curve, to say the least. But,
0: absolutely, uh, absolutely. And did you know anything about ostomies? You know, beforehand, did you did you reach out to any ostomates or or do any research into ostomies and stomas before the surgery? I'd only,
1: yeah, I'd only read about the. Uh, I didn't know anybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd only read about it um, through the resources at my GI team and my. Um, genetic counselor provided for me so when it came time to go to the hospital for the surgery um, i learned you know that was on hands training right there and uh but uh i was very receptive to it and uh it was just a very uh it was a whole new it's a whole new life you know it's a whole new journey i'm just
0: absolutely
1: Mm -hmm. yeah thankful for the opportunity to uh you know, be where I was at the time.
0: Yeah, no, I, I understand that. Absolutely. So, you know, thinking back to those, those early days. So when you had just had the, the stoma surgery performed, can you remember how you felt in those early days?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. It was, uh, I, I, um, I woke up from the surgery. It was a little over six hours. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember in the recovery room, I woke up and I had some medical team, you know, uh, medical professionals around me and I opened my eyes and I looked up and I was real weak, but I knew where I was. I knew what happened. And the first, I believe the first words I, I mentioned were, did you find everything you were looking for? And, um, they said, yes, we did, and uh, then the surgeon came in and spoke with me and mentioned that we're going to get the pathology report in about a week um, from the polyps that they found in the colon. And and he said one of the polyps was an 8-centimeter mass, so it was a stage 0, stage 1 um, hereditary colon cancer. Oh,
0: wow. And
1: he said um, – the pathology reports will be in, and I, I'm very confident that I've um, removed all the associated lymph nodes to that mass. Mm-hmm. So, and I, um, I was in the recovery room for a little bit, you know, a half hour or so. Then mm-hmm. they moved me to uh, my room, and yeah. when I got up to the room, I was talking very slow. Um, I was, I was, of course, you know, coming out of general anesthesia. and They had me on some type of—I forget what they had me on for pain management. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, I was, I was coherent and I was asking questions. And um, I remember when I got up onto the ward, they brought in all the the registered nurses from the ward mm-hmm. to see me. So there were seven of them there because for the 12 days that I was in the hospital, any one of those seven would be my my charge nurse. So they all needed to come over to see me right away. So they're all standing around my bed. And um, when I was in my uh, when I was in my room and uh, we just did a meet and greet. And it was uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, it certainly sounds as if you got fantastic care and support.
1: Oh, it was in, it was unbelievable. Absolutely. It was incredible, I should say. And my wound and ostomy nurse, she would come in, um, if not once a day, sometimes twice a day to see mm-hmm. me. And um, she was going through different things with me, showing me, because for the first couple of days she started well, first several many days actually she was doing everything, and then I started to get you know because I was I was recovering. I, mean, I had thirty five staples in my abdominal area, and then where my anus used to be, I had thirteen staples. And I'm six one, and the bed was at a forty five degree angle, so my feet were hanging off the side of the bed just because of my because of the position of the bed and my, and how long I was. So I didn't want to move a whole lot. I did have to, I did get up a couple of times a day to walk very mm-hmm. gingerly with um, nurses there with me.
0: Um,
1: but um, you know, my main focus was to just heal mm-hmm. as much as, you know, well, as quick as I could, of course, you know, that's, that's always the, that's always my mind, you know. My thought process is just to let things heal. There were no resections, so I didn't have to. Uh, we didn't have to be concerned about any anything going on internally,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, yeah. So it was. Uh, and I and I tried. Uh, I took myself off of pain management. Um, the um, the surgery was on Friday, and mm-hmm. I got out of surgery Friday afternoon. And I had the little the drip. Uh, I forget what they call that, but. Um, I had that for Friday, Saturday and then Sunday. I just took my I just told the nurses I don't want to use it anymore. And um they gave me an oral pain med I believe on Monday for the first the first dose of that and I didn't mm-hmm. take anything after that. Wow. I wanted That's to amazing. know what my pain, you know, I wanted to when I when I felt the pain what caused that discomfort. I wanted to make sure that I didn't do that again, you know, at least for a while.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm, with that, so how long were you in hospital? Was it the twelve days, or were you there for longer?
1: The twelve days I was in, and um, mm-hmm. then I was released and discharged and went home. And then I was on short-term disability for the uh, for another seven weeks. So I was on, I was out of my uh, out of work for a total of nine weeks.
0: My goodness! And then you went back to your job.
1: Well, I had. Two. I had two jobs. I worked a day job. I was uh, working for a government um, agency as a contractor, uh, similar to my navy experience. I was doing that type of work for the uh, for a contract for the government, and that was during the day. Then at nighttime, I worked at a hardware store. Uh, actually, nights and weekends.
0: And how long do you think it it took you? to master the day-to-day management of your stoma as a new ostomate?
1: Um, you know, it probably, I would think, let me see, I got out of the hospital the beginning of, or um, well, the end of July, beginning of August. So probably um, um, a few weeks after I got home, maybe. I'd give it maybe the end of August, I'd say. hmm that i she, felt pretty confident with uh, yeah. how i was uh and i was self-sufficient i was taking care of myself i didn't have any you know i, I just did everything on my own i I'd, I'd read uh, a lot and asked uh, my wound and ostomy nurse uh, so many questions and and kept in touch with her as mm. i was recovering so um yeah i felt pretty yeah. comfortable about the end of august
0: uh-huh. Excellent. Excellent. So, I mean, it, it's so clear that you're a really positive person, Dan, you know, great enthusiasm for life, you know, and I would imagine your experiences, you know, when the military, et cetera, prepared you for that transition to life as an mate. But were, were there tough days? Were there days when you thought, you know, this is maybe more difficult than you had imagined or any days like that?
1: Honestly, no, I didn't have, I've never had a day like that. Um, even, you know, just my day-to-day activities with my, uh, with my workload. And I, I felt, I felt comfortable. I mm-hmm. shared my, uh, experience with, I, I continue to share it with as many people who want to listen, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I have fun with it, honestly. I mean, I, I, yeah. I love it. It's, uh, it's given me a, I mean, I've always had a positive outlook on life, and this has given me a whole new platform, you know, to, um, so Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it's been uh, absolutely uh, amazing, but, uh, I mean, there's challenges, but, I mean, that's that's what, I mean, everybody, you know, we all have challenges in life, it's just a matter of, you know, um, early on, I remember hearing, um, the you have we have two choices in life we can react or we can respond and I choose to respond and by that I mean I gather information to assess what the situation is and then I have a better chance of overcoming adversity and that's I've always been I've, I try to always be that way and and uh, once I found out about the the diagnosis and the surgery. That's what I did. I responded. That's you know I've embraced this from the onset, and I've taken it not just to be an ostomate, but um, I want to be an advocate. You know, mm-hmm. not just locally, and nationally, however, internationally, and in any any platform that I can share my experience. And you know, life goes on, and mm-hmm. I'm just blessed. You know, to be where I'm at. Absolutely. You know, share my journey.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, eight years on, life is good for you. Tell, tell us a bit more about the advocacy work that you do.
1: Well, I've been involved, actually, when I was in the hospital, not even two days after my surgery, I'm already, because it was the weekend, I'm already on the phone with the United Ostomy Associations of America to let them know that I'm going to be new to the uh you know, to their organization as far as sharing my journey. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they, and because my wounded ostomy nurse, she had a magazine. The uh, Phoenix Magazine is published for new, for ostomates on behalf of the, the UOAA. Mm-hmm. And I, so I had the weekend to read that magazine. And I wanted to learn more what I can do, you know, to give back. Mm-hmm. And I started my advocacy with them that following week. The first week I was recovering from surgery, while I was in the hospital.
0: My goodness, and, but, no stopping you, Dan.
1: No, no. There's it's all <laughs> it's full speed ahead. You know, like in the Navy, all hands on deck. <laughs> so, and then, and then,
0: Absolutely.
1: since I had uh, you know being a colon cancer warrior, I had reached out to uh, numerous uh, organizations pertaining to colon cancer. I mean, and then. Uh, from then, I was introduced to a the National Organization for Rare Disorders, and they have designated the last day of February every year as Rare Disease Day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so I became an advocate for Rare Disease Day as well as colon cancer and then, uh, the, of course, the ostomy awareness. Now, in the last two, last three years... I've really been pushing for the Hereditary Colon Cancer Syndrome Awareness. And mm-hmm. what I've done is I've come up, I have the opportunity to present a measure that was um, that's a Hereditary Colon Cancer Awareness Week that uh, we're looking to get the fourth week of March in the U.S. designated as Hereditary Colon Cancer Awareness Week. There are seven different types of hereditary colon cancer syndromes, and the one I have is the most rare of them all. It's estimated to impact less than 0.03% of the global population. Oh, wow. Now, the mutation I've been diagnosed with uh, is known as, um, the acronym is AFAP, and mm-hmm. it's attenuated familial adenomatose polyposis I know that's a mouthful
0: I'm glad you said that because I that's, could not have said it that's
1: a, well it took me about it took me about six weeks to get that down I had to <laughs> practice it you know I'd be walking around imagine. the hardware store practicing that every night and uh <laughs> yeah because that that's a mouthful it's a, it's a lot to digest no pun intended <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely. Now,
1: down, absolutely now the mutation I must say, was was diagnosed I'm sorry was discovered by Dr Henry T Lynch now Dr Lynch is the founding father of hereditary cancer research and he was in Creighton University um, and one of his titles at Creighton was the director of preventive medicine now the interesting part about Dr Lynch was I didn't know anything about him now, once my I had my diagnosis, his name came up in some conversations I had with my genetic counselor and my colorectal surgeon in Hawaii. Come to find out that both of them are colleagues of Dr. Lynch. Now, he was in Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And seven months after my surgery, guess who shows up in Hawaii to do some academic lectures? Dr. Oh, Lynch. Wow. So my genetic counselor made arrangements for me to get down to one of his academic lectures. She personally introduced me to Dr. Lynch in private. And we sat down after his academic lecture, and we talked about my journey for an hour and 50 minutes. So here I've got the attention of the world-renowned leader for the mutation I've been diagnosed. And I have a binder I carry with me whenever I'm going into a medical facility. And I had all my, I had my DNA test results, I had my pathology report, and my discharge summary, along with other documents, uh, medical documents. And so we're sitting down talking to Dr. Lynch, and my genetic counselor goes, Dan, you have uh, you have your binder with you, don't you? And I said, yep, sure do. So I reached for it, he goes, why don't you let Dr. Lynch take a look at that? So he started reading the dna test results and he goes well daniel you've got a unique case of afap and then wow. we 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 stayed in touch and he was 87 years old when he came to hawaii mm-hmm. and he did a series of ac- academic lectures and then i see i have to go through routine endoscopic procedures of my stomach mm-hmm. and small intestine because afap will and has manifested in those organs
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i go through um, You know, every nine to twelve months, I go through uh, an EGD, as well as a single balloon enteroscopy. and then okay. they um, actually they do a side scope as well. Mm-hmm. So, and then I I ask for all the documents and all the photographs, and uh, the original copies of them after they scan them into my record, and I have a binder. I put them in my binder, so mm-hmm. um, I carry every time I go to the hospital. I carry that with me. Wow. And, uh, yeah. That's an so,
0: amazing story about, about meeting Dr. Lynch. Oh, uh,
1: it's it's just it's how things go. I mean, it's just yeah. you know, I'm I'm living in the perfect time in life because you know, and his his research started back in in the early '60s. I was born in '60s, so up until June of last year, my entire life he's been devoted to hereditary cancer research, and he passed wow. away at 91 years old, June second of 2019. You know, he was still going into the office Monday through Friday for 12 hours a day (sighs) up until um, about a month before he passed away. My goodness, um, that's
0: dedication.
1: Yeah, and so what I want to do is I want to carry on his legacy and, uh, you know, uh, share the importance of hereditary uh, colon cancer um, syndrome uh, awareness and, and the importance of early detection.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know... I think you're definitely doing a wonderful job by the sounds of it. Um, you know, I mean, you, you, your mantra itself always forge ahead with purpose. You know, a, a, amazing. And I see that it shares uh, the same acronym as AFA. Oh,
1: you picked up on that. Very oh, nice. we did. Uh, we did pick up my, on that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's wonderful. You did a great job there. Yeah, exactly. That was it. I had an epiphany one Um it was in May of 2015. I woke up in the middle of the night with two words on my mind, forge ahead. So I quickly grabbed the pen and paper and I wrote it down. And I said, well, forge ahead, that's good. But what does this mean? And I said, um, well, that's F.A. I have AFAP. So what's the P going to be? And I thought, well, um, purpose sounds good. So I wrote it down. And I said, well, wait a minute, that's FAP, which is uh, also a mutation or diagnosis. I have AFAP, which is the attenuated version of FAP. So I said, "What's the other A going to be?" Well, what am I doing? I'm I'm always forging ahead with a purpose. So there you go. So very that's good. my story, and I'm sticking to it.
0: Very good. Very good. So Dan, I just have one final question for you,
1: okay. and
0: it is a a question that we that we ask all of our guests on the podcast, and. What I would like to know is, now that you are an established ostomate, you've been an ostomate for many years, if you could go back in a time machine, knowing what you know now as an established ostomate, and give yourself one piece of advice, so a piece of advice just before your stoma surgery, what do you think that piece of advice would be?
1: Honestly, um, I've I've adapted rather nicely, so I mean, I just I'll just give my mantra, always forge ahead with a purpose.
0: Perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, it has been a pleasure speaking with you today. Um, Dan, I've really enjoyed our chat and you know you're doing so much, so much advocacy work, um, you know, working so hard, you know, to spread the message. Um, you know, we need more people like you around. We really, really do. And um, I wish you all the very, very best for the future and for all of your advocacy work.
1: Well, thank you very much. It was an honor and privilege to uh, be on your uh, your podcast, and uh, look forward to collaborating with you and your team in the future.
0: Thanks again to Dan for sharing his story. It's great to delve into how he confronted his diagnosis and subsequent surgery, but didn't see it as an obstacle or a barrier for the life he wanted and continues to live. I think there's so much we can all learn from his positivity. You can find out more about Dan by going to his Facebook page www.facebook.com forward slash daniel.shockley.5 or you can find him on instagram dan drydock please do reach out to dan on either facebook or instagram and help him with his cause of raising awareness for hereditary colon cancer and support his efforts of encouraging people to get themselves screened that draws to a close another episode of behind the pouch we hope you're enjoying the podcast and please do continue to support our endeavours by subscribing or letting us know what you think by getting in touch via hello at abiggerlife.com. Remember to check out abiggerlife.com too for lots more freely available information and for support. Thank you again for listening and join us again soon for some more Behind the Pouch.